I started a series last week. I'm going to spend probably three weeks on this. And I'm simply talking about how we can simplify our faith. Because sometimes we make this journey of faith. And believe me, walking with God is a journey of faith. We complicate it on so many levels. And I thought, I want to spend a little time simplifying our faith. Last week I talked out of Psalms 37. And I love that psalm because David talks about the difference between the life of the ungodly and the life of the godly. But David made this statement, and it's kind of like his testimony. you got to remember, David had some rough years. He had some really tough years. He had to run and hide from an angry king who tried to pin him to a wall with a, with a spear. He lived in caves while he was hiding from that king. He had to fight a giant when he was a teenager because nobody else wanted to fight the giant, and he killed him, by the way. If you study the life of David, he killed a lot of giants. He, he faced some real challenges in life. But in Psalms 37, David wrote these words. He said, I once was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen God's seed out begging for bread. His testimony was, if you'll trust God, if you'll walk with God, no matter what you're dealing with, God will be there to walk you through that situation. That's a simplification of faith. And I want to throw this in today. We learn the true nature of God through our faith experiences. You don't really learn the nature of God until you go through some tough stuff. That's when you personally learn the nature of God. And you walk through those things trusting him and God shows up and he becomes God over everything in your life. So today I want to continue our thoughts simplifying my faith. And I want to talk today about our posture, our posture of faith. In just a moment, we're going to read from Numbers in the Old Testament, Numbers 33, if you want to turn there in advance. But today, I want to talk to you beginning this message, and I'm going to be a little bit short today because we have some things planned at the end of service besides Krispy Kreme donuts. First service, when I said amen at the end of my message, people started stampeding toward the doors, and I told them no donuts until we're done in here. So you might as well stay with us today. But you know, I want to begin today with the story of Israel when they left Egypt, the land of bondage. I love the story. There's so much to it. But when you look at that story, you'll find that Israel went to Egypt as a big family. 400 years later, they left there as a big nation, a big group of people, not just hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, perhaps even into the millions. A lot of people left Egypt. And over those 400 years while they were there, they became so strong and so powerful that Egypt was afraid of them, and the king, the pharaoh of Egypt, actually made them become slaves in order to keep them in bondage so they wouldn't rebel. But the day came when God said, okay, that's enough. Enough is enough. He sent Moses to lead them out of bondage. And if you remember the story, what happened was first God sent plagues upon the land and protected Israel. And then the last plague was when they had the Passover and the death angel passed over the land. And every family that did not have the blood over their household, their firstborn died. And then finally Pharaoh said to Moses, okay, take the people and leave. And as soon as Israel started their journey, of course, Pharaoh changed his mind, began to pursue them, and God wiped him and his, and his whole army out in the Red Sea. We all know about that. But I want to come back to Israel the day after Passover when judgment fell on the land, I want you to see how they left 
Egypt. Numbers 33, verse 3. They departed from Ramses in the first month, on the 15th day of the first month, on the day after the Passover. Notice that. The day after the Passover, they didn't hang around. The door opened and they left. They started their journey. And the children of Israel went out. They didn't stay in the outskirts. They didn't say, hey, let's stay here and enjoy it for a while. They left the land of bondage. They went out with boldness, it says, with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. These words are recorded here in Numbers 33. They're also found in Exodus. I believe it's the 14th chapter. That they went out with boldness. But if you go back and look at the King James Version, both of these verses are worded slightly differently. It says they went out with a high hand. They went out with a high hand. They went out with boldness, with a high hand. We'll get into this more in a few minutes. But you might be wondering today, well, why is that old story important to me today? Because in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, Paul said that what happened to Israel was written for us so that we could learn from their poor examples and follow their good examples. And Paul also wrote and told us that Christ, what he did on the cross, Jesus became our Passover. He liberated us from sin. He broke the grip of sin. And he freed us to walk away from the old life and walk, out, walk away into a brand new life. So it's significant that we understand what happened to them so that we can learn lessons for our journey. So today I want to begin this message and I'm going to talk about three things very quickly this morning. Number one, I want to talk to you about leaving the old life with boldness. Leaving the old life with boldness. Now, what does it mean to leave with a high hand? Well, let me paint a picture for you today. When Israel left Egypt, if you take literally what it says in the King James, it says they left like this. They walked out of the land looking forward, not looking back, but all the Egyptians could see. They left bondage, and they were walking away from it. They walked away with a high hand. So let me ask a couple questions here. Number one, what would be the posture of a slave? What would be the posture of a slave? Probably be this head bent down in shame, walking slowly, shoulders slumped, tired, weary, working hard, no future, no hope. It's just day after day, another grind. But then let me ask you this question. What would be the posture and the attitude of a free man? If you free that slave, what could his posture become? It could go from this to this. I don't live in bondage anymore. I'm not that anymore. I now have a brand new life. You see, it's interesting when you take the King James and you look into the original writings and look at the new translations, it says Israel left the land of bondage with a high hand. In the original writings, what it says is they left with boldness. And that word boldness means they left with power. They left with means, provision, 
and they left with direction for their future. See, it's interesting. When you go back and study, God liberated them, and the next day after liberation, they walked out of Egypt. They were free in God. But then not only that, before they left the land of bondage, God told them, go to your neighbors, all the Egyptians, and borrow from them. Borrow anything you can get, gold, silver, jewelry, wealth, anything you can get. Tell them you need to borrow because you're about to leave. And then when God liberated them, he said, don't take it back, walk out. That's payment for what's happened in the past. And they walked forward with means to leave the, prom- the, the land of bondage and head to the promised land. <clears throat> now, third thing, it says they had direction. They had direction. As soon as Passover left, the next day, there was a cloud that showed up, a pillar of cloud. And it was there to lead the people of Israel. At nighttime, it became a pillar of fire to direct them at night. So whether it was daytime or nighttime, they knew they had the presence of God and they knew he was leading them to all the right places. Now let me take one minute and just walk through something with you. What would you do with your life? How would you see your future? How would you approach it if you had Freedom, provision, and direction. Can I give you some good news? You do. God's provided those things for us. He liberated us from the old life at the cross. He now is with us to provide for every need in our lives. And then last of all, his spirit and his word will guide us to all the right places if we'll just trust him and follow him. That's the message that we see here. I've got to tell you something. First, it's one thing to leave bondage with boldness. It's another thing to learn to live with boldness. There's a difference between leaving and living. And you know, God wants to teach us to live with this kind of posture. A lot of believers live with this posture. Well, if I can just make it through another day, maybe Jesus will come back and I can get out of here. But God wants us to be living like this. I know we live in a crazy world. I know there's stupid stuff going on around us. But in the middle of it all, God's called us to live like this, not like this. We're to be on top of circumstances, not under circumstances. But we have to learn, how do I live with a high hand? If you study the nation of Israel after they left Egypt, you find that they never did learn to trust God. They never did. Every time a challenge came along, they stumbled. I'll talk about that more in a moment. But the way I like to say it is, God took the slaves out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of the slaves. Couldn't change their hearts, couldn't change their minds, couldn't bring them to a place because they just didn't know how to trust God. They thought like slaves and they died in the wilderness because of their thinking. Every time they faced a new challenge, rather than trusting God, they complained, they panicked. They looked back to Egypt and they said, I wish we never left. Finally, after 10 times, God said, okay, you want to die in the wilderness? That's your call. That's what you say is going to happen. It's yours. You can die here in the wilderness. It's interesting. Only two people Joshua and Caleb 
lived to see the promised land out of all those people. And because they trusted God fully, they lived like this. Let me just talk about this for a minute. When I live like this, the original writings, when it talks about the hand, there's two types of hands. There's this hand and there's this hand. It refers to the open hand, which says every day I'm open to God, his freedom, his provision, his direction for my life. And God, whatever you want for me today, my hands are open. I want to receive it. But as a slave, we close our hands off and we think tomorrow is no life to live. God wants us to learn to live trusting him with an open, free hand. You see, my spiritual posture is going to determine my physical posture. How I see myself as a slave or as free what I believe about God, it's going to create my posture and my attitude towards the future. This is why some people live like slaves. They never know what God has for them or they just can't believe it and access it in faith and they choose to live like this. But that's not God's will for you. He's got better plans. You see, Jesus talked about this. John chapter 8 Jesus said they're slaves and then they're sons. He said slaves can't live in the house forever, but the sons do. Here's what Jesus said. Who the son sets free is free indeed. You don't have to live like a slave. God has better plans for your life. You see, a slave complains about his circumstances. But a free man learns and grows and overcomes his circumstances. A slave is angry about his past, but a free man is excited about his future. There's a difference. You see, the cross, it changes our posture. It takes away our shame. It lifts our heads. It raises our hands. It gives us hope. It gives us promises, and it points us to a brand new future. Then we get to learn how to live in this posture of faith. So the last part of my message. Wow, how about that? I didn't know I could do that. That that lady back there who just fell asleep, I'll do this real loud. There you go. She's awake now. But the last, last part of this message... And in case you wonder, I'm not sick. I've got drainage uh, from, uh, I got, never mind. I got drainage. <laughs> Too much birthday cake. <clears throat> so how do I learn to live like this? Two keys I want to give you today. Two things I've learned in my lifetime. Number one, worship must become a part of my lifestyle. Worship must become a part of my lifestyle. Now, I know what some people are thinking. Well, worship, well, I can't come to church every day and listen to the band and listen to the singers. 
that, that's an expression of corporate worship. Worship is really a matter of the heart and how the heart affects my posture. Every day of my life, my lifestyle needs to incorporate worship. Worship to God. Let me say it this way. Every morning, the first thing to hit the floor should be my knees, not my feet. Throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, when you talk about worship, it, it means the same thing from cover to cover. No matter which language you're reading, it means this. This is worship. When I bow down and honor God. We need to learn to make worship a part of our everyday lifestyle. You know, it's interesting to note when Israel started their journey, God gave them a law, what we call Ten Commandments. The first thing God said to them is, you need to know this, there's only one God and that's me. I'm God, I'm the only God. So you don't need to start worshiping other things and try to create other gods because they're not real. Just keep your heart wrapped around me and I'll take good care of you. It's first commandment. But you know what I've learned about people? People are going to worship something. And if they don't worship God, they'll wrap their heart around other things. That's part of why God said set aside one day a week to rest, to reflect, to understand what's going on around you and to worship me because if you keep worship at the front of your life, other things start falling into place. Worship is so important. Worship is honoring God for who he is. It's honoring God for who he is. It amazes me. Pretty much every morning of my life, I sit down in my chair in my family room early in the morning and I just spend some time with God. I'll get into scripture. But above all else, I stop and I say, God, I worship you and honor you because you're God. And here's the amazing thing. The God who's created everything we see around us, the God who's created the universes that we haven't yet seen, he's so big, he's so amazing. There's too much to him. But yet, he is so concerned, he's so amazing that he wants to come and sit down and just have time with us. Be our God. We worship him so he doesn't become God out there. He becomes God in my life, in my home, and in my family, in my world. Worship also declares the greatness of God. See, when I worship God, it causes me to stop and say, God, you're amazing. So I'm going to trust you and not trust myself or anybody or anything else. Worship puts me in my place. and Worship puts God in his place. Does anybody in the house ever struggle trying to be God? And we do pretty good for about three or four minutes and then all of a sudden things start falling apart. And, you know, my time with God sometimes can get filled up with, God, I need you to do this and do this and do this, and you need to do this by 7 o'clock this evening, and you need to do that by tomorrow morning. When I... And all the while, God wants me to stop and say, I trust you. And I lay these things at your feet because you're my God. Worship also ties my heart to God's nature and to God's promises. If you want to really know God, start worshiping him. Start trusting him. Worship anchors my trust 
to God. It says, you're my God, and I'm not going to give up on God. I'm not going to give up on you. You know, I think of the first part of this message when David says, once was young, now I'm old. In all my days, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed out breaking bread. That was David's testimony. And what he was saying was through all the crazy things in life, you don't want to give up on God because God is faithful and he'll take care of you no matter what comes your way. That's what worship does. It brings us to that place where we say, God, I know who you are. I believe you. I'm not going to give up on you and your promises. But the the second part of this, we need to worship God. It needs to be a part of our lifestyles. But the second part is, Praise needs to be a part of my everyday lifestyle. See, worship and praise are two different things. Worship is honoring God for who he is. Praise is thanking God for all the things he's done. As we look back over our shoulder, as we look at all the things he's given us, praise is thanking him for his faithfulness and the things that he's done. So every morning... Before my hands tackle my life's circumstances, first I need to raise them in praise to God for what he's done for me. Count my blessings. See his hand and know that the hand that has blessed me will continue to bless me as I move forward trusting him. You see, praise is thanking God for what he's done. Praise reminds me of God's track record, not just in Scripture, but his track record in my life. Praise encourages my faith because it reminds me of how wonderful and amazing God really is. Praise keeps God's promises in front of my eyes in life in my heart. And I got to tell you today, I don't care what you're going through. Anne referred to it earlier. Maybe you're in the house today and you've reached the end of your road. I don't care what you're going through. God's got a promise to take care of your situation, but you got to trust him. Trust him. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of every need. Praise also changes the atmosphere, the temperature of my life. Man, when things are hot, you start praising God, it changes everything around you. You know, life is filled with challenges. David faced them. I've faced them. You have faced them. And... As long as you live, you'll face more challenges. But we need to come to a determination that says, I'm going to walk with God with my hands raised high, and I'm not going to give up with God. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. Oh, my God. Last thought. I want to take what David said that I referred to last week in the first part of this message. I'm going to tell you from my own heart. I'm going to paraphrase it so it fits me. David says, I once was young, but now I'm old. I once was young, but now I've reached midlife. But in all of my days, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen God's seed out begging for bread. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. God will take care of you. Lift your head. Look up at him. Lift your hands. Get them open. Start worshiping him. Start praising him. Change the whole atmosphere and temperature of your life. It'll change your posture and you'll walk right into the blessings of God. I want to pray for everyone in the house today. So I'm going to ask you to 
bow your heads for a moment. I want to pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for all of your blessings. Thank you for your word. We learned from it today. I thank you for your spirit that abides with us. Father, I pray right now for everybody who's in this building. God, there are all kinds of challenges represented here today. There are people here that they see no way out of their circumstances, but you do. You know the direction. There are people here who don't know how to respond because of what they don't have, but you know how to respond because you have what we don't have. There are people here today who are saying, but but I can't, I can't. And you say, yes, you can. Get to your feet. I'm releasing you from the bondage of the past. God, I pray right now for whatever people are dealing with, that you would touch every heart, every person in this room, every person watching online. Those who will watch this later, grab their hearts right now and remind them, you're big enough to meet every one of their needs. So God, we lift our heads, we lift our hearts. We say, we trust you. I'm not going to give up on God. I'm not going to give up on God. While heads are still bowed, maybe you're here today. Maybe you listened to that prayer and you thought, okay, but I I don't even know God. There's no better day than today to come to God and have a face-to-face encounter and just say, God, I need you. If you have a desire in your heart to know God and to have him get involved in your life, that's a sign of him knocking on the door of your heart and he's waiting for you to open it up and say, God, come in, I need you. I want to help you do that today. I want to help you pray a prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to wrap your heart around it. Just let this prayer be your prayer. Let these words be your words. Wrap your faith around this today. God, I need you. I need you in every area of my life. I need your help. So I lay everything down, all of my plans, all of my ideas, I lay it all down. And I ask you to come into my life and help me. I know I've wandered from you and I've walked my own road. Please forgive me of my sin and my failure. I believe what Jesus did on the cross is full payment for my sins. So I accept his sacrifice. And from this moment forward, Jesus is my Savior. And I want to learn to let him be Lord of my life. So I ask you to teach me your ways. Show me where to go day by day and I'll trust you. I'll grow. I'll learn all about you. And I'll learn to let you be my God and my Father. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here's the deal. If you prayed that prayer, it's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning of the journey. We want to help you start your journey. So we have a little tool, a little booklet we want to give you called The Next Seven Days. It'll help you start your journey with God. Now, and, and remember, folks, remember, folks, no donuts until I say so, okay? I want to help you start your journey with God. So when service is over, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They'd love to give you one of those booklets. If you just walk down and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. Uh, If you're in a big rush today, out in the lobby, right in the middle of the glass doors, there's a counter set up there. You can stop by there and get the same booklet. Just say, can you give me the booklet? They'll give it to you with a smile and help you get on your way. We just want to get you started walking with God. And to everybody who prayed that prayer and wrapped your heart around, around that prayer today, I want to welcome you to the family of God. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family?